Welcome to Girl Fix Your Hair, a podcast for anyone who feels like life goes fast and sometimes has a hard time finding their balance. We keep it real, embrace the unknown, and make things happen. I'm happy you're here. Let's get to it. Oh my gosh. Okay, we have a lot to catch up on. And I was like running through the archives of like everything that you've been up to since graduating. And it is incredible. And I want you to talk a lot about it because I think you're somebody that totally dominates the sports world, especially as a female. And it's incredible. And it's so fun to watch. Um, So let's start back though, sort of in our university years where I first met you. (laughs) Because I remember, I remember watching Vanessa in like all of our applied courses, like applied TV, applied yeah. radio, and you just completely owned it. Like you were the person in university Aww. that I think sometimes you see people in university that don't really know what they want to do. They're kind of unsure. They coast a little bit, but from day, so, so it, it, it's obvious, right? But I feel like with you from day one, seeing you, it was like, you knew what you wanted. You yeah. knew your purpose, you knew you wanted to do some sort of like, whether being an anchor, a sports reporter, you were always incredible. And you just took your role in class as well as like applied TV or applied radio or doing sideline in university completely seriously and just owned it. So talk a little bit about maybe pre-university. Did you know that you yeah. wanted to sort of go into reporting? Uh, what was sort of like your mindset? How did everything feel for you? Absolutely. Well, I appreciate that. And you were an angel and we had so much fun. It's, it's um, so much fun to look back on that and like, remember everything from, you know, things we did in class to, you know, going downtown every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, just, it's crazy that it, it, it doesn't feel like that long, but in some ways it does. But um, I'm from about an hour from Indianapolis. I'm from Terre Haute. And yeah, I, mean, I knew when I was like 10 or 11 and I always tell people there's nothing wrong with not knowing. Like, I feel like people think that because I knew that I think everybody should know. And it's it's right. the opposite. I'm I, a lot of people don't. And that's OK. Um, I was very fortunate that I just did. And when I was 10 or 11, um, my late father would take me to at Colts training camp, which at the time was in Terre Haute in my hometown. It moved. But at the time it was there. And, you know, everything from IndyCar and the Indy 500 to IU basketball to high school. I mean, every typical, stereotypical Indiana sport, like there it is. And just loved it and knew that I wanted to do it. And I had, you know, um, parents that were really encouraging of it, which is great because a lot of parents aren't when it's a a dicey industry. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I knew I wanted to do that. And then my junior year of high school, the Super Bowl was in Indianapolis. And I, I must be easily sold because I visited University of Indianapolis where you and I both ended up going. And that's where the New York Giants were training. And yes. I was like, this is awesome. I'm coming here. But that, that's it. No other discussion. And so, um, yeah, I mean, when I started my freshman year, it, I was already a little behind because I was one of the only TV and radio people that went to a high school that didn't have TV or radio. So everyone else had like, all this experience and had gone to these high schools, you know, Ben Davis, North Central, Franklin, these, these names mean nothing to probably most of your viewers or listeners, but high schools with really great media programs. Right. They sort of, and I, I went to it. Yes. I, I went to a small, you know, I'm from a small town. So I just, it wasn't like that for me. 
And so I went up to Scott Eaker, one of our professors, and I said, I got to catch up. Like, I am, if I'm anything, it's self-aware and I am behind. And he was basically like, you know, if you get on, if you can get cleared for air for this jazz and classical radio station that we have on campus, it's an actual FM station, you can be like the sports reporter. And so I did that and I did the jazz and classical shifts for on WICR, as you remember. Yeah. Um, and then because I did that, I was able to, you know, in hindsight, it's unbelievable, but, you know, go to Colts practices and games and, and be out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and interview drivers and, and get, you know, real world experience. Um, the Pacers hired me my junior year of college and the Indianapolis Indians did as well to be like their in game jumbotron girl. So that was some good, again, like real life, um, experience and, you know, did, did the TV program and all that. And, and I learned a lot at our university for sure, but, um, learned more, you know, outside the halls of, you know, learning as, as is so often the case. Oh yeah. I was the same way too. I found, so much more like I relate to so many in my career now I'm like everything that I know or I've sort of gained experience in it's from internships that I did in school yep and I would never discredit a college university whatsoever I think it's super important but I do think that that outside of the classroom real world experience is where you learn the fastest and it's it just, it carries over to everything, right? Like that is essentially the the role that you have as an intern, let's call it, is essentially what you would be doing if you were were hired outside of college. So it's the closest thing you're going to get. And you were PR, right? So one of the best PR, one of the best PR schools in the country. Yeah. I mean, like you were like running firms, like that's like, it's so much like beyond an internship. I did. Yeah. In our applied PR class, I, or our applied PR course, I was um, an account manager. So yeah, like that outside yeah. of the, the uh, experience is it's untouchable for sure. Um, okay. So graduated university. How yeah. long have you been in Houston for? You've kind of had radio TV experience outside of like post-university. Um, spent a little bit of time in Cincinnati, I think. But yeah. you've been in Houston for what, three, four years now? Yeah, four years, which is okay. crazy. Um, as at, it's like the most Indiana story ever, but I'm at an I'm working an Indianapolis Indians game. Long story short, and I meet this group of people that are like, "What do you want to do after school?" And I said, "Well, I'm a senior. I want to, you know, be a sports broadcaster." And one of the guys was like, "My cousin is the vice president of Hearst Media, which Hearst is one of the biggest companies, media companies in the country." And so I got connected with his cousin. Um, he critiqued my work. I kept in touch with him senior year. And then when I was getting ready to graduate, like, you know, I wanted a full-time sports job. I was doing so much in indie. And one thing that you learn that you can't control, no matter what industry you're in, is the job market. Like, you just can't. And um, there weren't a lot of sports jobs open. And so... Mike, the vice president of Hearst, was like, look, I have an opening for a traffic anchor in Cincinnati. So you'll have to wake up at two in the morning, be the traffic girl. But I will make sure that you cover the Bengals, the Reds, high school and college sports in Cincinnati. Like you will do sports, but it's going to be a lot of hours. 
And it was, and I did that for two years. I moved right after I graduated May of 2017. And in June, I moved to Cincinnati, which is only about two hours from Indy. But when you're that young, it seems like such a huge change. Um, And I did that for two years. I woke up at 2 a.m., did the traffic, probably caused more accidents than I prevented because I'm a terrible driver and have no sense of direction. But um, you know what's funny, Nicole, is you realize like you take these jobs and you think, well, this will get me there. Yeah. What I look back and appreciate now is that doing traffic, and I did a little bit of news as well, it made me a better sports reporter because I was getting out of my comfort zone. I was thinking on my feet. I didn't have a script. I mean, it actually made me a lot better. And so um, I was able to make that into a, there was a, a sport weekend sports anchor, weekday sports reporter job at the NBC in Houston. And I moved down here for that and did that for two years. A lot of great experience, covered the World Series, covered, you know, the Texans and the Rockets and all that. Um, But I just wasn't going to grow. It was one of those, like, I was going to be stuck on weekends forever. So Mm -hmm. took a huge risk and left that job to do radio. And it confused a lot of people. Now, the people that knew me in college and knew how much I loved sports radio were not surprised. But the people that just knew me as, like, the TV they were shocked, but I just, when you're doing local sports, TV, whatever, like you're only, it's not all about being TV on TV, but you're only on for two or three minutes a day. And uh, with local sports radio, like two to four hours, I mean, you, you got to know your stuff. You got to be able to really do it. And so I knew that that would help me grow. And sure enough, it did. I, I felt, I felt really good about my skill set, And then, um, the regional network here needed somebody to help fill in and do some Astros. And then that turned into the rocket sideline reporter left because she got a a job elsewhere. And they said, well, we know you're from Indiana and you love basketball. What do you think of this? And I was like, what do I think of my dream job? Yes, I'll take it. So (laughs) that was, that was that. And so, yeah, that's, that's been the career journey. It's as you know, so many things happen that you can't control. Um, You just got to go with it. Exactly. That's perfectly <laughs> And I'm somebody that, same thing, I worked, I did all of my internships in college were in sports too, because I very much had that, in university, I had a clear mindset of, I want to go into sports, I am an athlete, I want to And you, you knew so much too, like you were so knowledgeable about sports that, oh, that it made sense. Yes, for sure. Different from you though, I wanted to kind of take the more PR, marketing, social sure. media aspect of it you on camera it's like it completely makes sense you're a hundred percent on camera I would have like fumbled over all my words I would have been like what am I doing but from a social media standpoint that's sort of the direction I took but I'm curious to know because what I realized and I think is what sort of made me change my mind shortly after I graduated and not decide to go into sports is it's so time consuming it's so like like you said, weekends, right? You're working weekends, uh, in season, you're working a lot of late nights during the week even. And again, where we are right now, we're two different women in the sense that like, <laughs> right. I'm a single mom. You're yeah. Not a mom, right. So for me, I knew I wanted to be a younger mom. I sort of had that like family trajectory, like at a very young age. And I'm like, okay, sports isn't going to work out for me because of that. Like I can't afford to come home at midnight or one o'clock in the morning No, in season and stuff like that. But how do you find that you balance it? Is it something that you love? Is it something that you've just kind of become accustomed to? 
where do you sort of find that balance in your schedule, especially in season? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, when I was working in local news, like I worked every weekend when I was, excuse me, the sports here in Houston, when I was in Cincinnati, it was a little different. I had weekends off, but I would oftentimes cover sports on my own time because I had these big goals. Yeah, It's one of the number one things that I tell young women because you know me well enough to know that I'm honest, right? For your viewers and listeners yes. that don't, I feel it is my duty to be honest and not sugarcoat things. And and so what I tell young women that want to get into the industry is you're going to work holidays, you're going to work nights, you're going to work weekends, especially the first couple years of your career. If you don't want to do that, there is nothing wrong with that. Like that, like I'm big on like, there is no shame if you want to go a different direction. Mm-hmm. But what I oftentimes see is you know, it's the, well, I want to stay in my hometown and marry this guy, but I don't want to move any. It's just not, it's most of the time not doable. Like it's a lot of sacrifice. Um, where I lucked out is, like I said, my first two years in Cincinnati, I was only a couple hours from home. So I was able to go back for the wedding. I was able to go back and see my family a lot. Um, when I moved to Houston, it changed. And I, every vacation day I had for three years, every vacation day was used to go home. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I had a sick parent at the time. My dad couldn't travel. My friends were all getting married because we're at that age. Yeah. And so I did not take a vacation, meaning like you go to Italy for a week or you, you know, you do the, the whatever I had Florida for six days. I didn't. And I don't regret it because I never missed a wedding of my friend. I've met all my friend's babies. I am still close to my family. But in order to make my career and my friend slash family work, I'm not going to lie to you. Like I have had to abandon any, um, any like fun, like self trips that, you know, so it, it has come with sacrifice. And so you have to figure out what is important to you. And you have to basically realize that that you're going to have to not pay attention to other aspects of your life. If you date somebody, they have to really be along for the ride. And I've had, I've, I've dated guys, Nicole, trust me, that <laughs> Of course you are, have to, too. <laughs> let's stop. You oh, are I've such a catch. Of course you have. <laughs> I love you. You're awesome. But, you know. Of course, I, I've dated guys that think it's awesome that I work in sports. And they're like, yes, this is like this career-oriented, badass, fantastic <laughs> girl and all that. And then they realize I'm working holidays, yeah. working a lot of weekends. I'm not going to lie to you. There's been a couple that are like, oh, wow. So you're in the locker room with guys when they're changing. Oh, so you're like. So you're around these guys. All you're in the same hotel, and I'm like, and it's like, so you got to be secure. Yeah, you have to be okay with the weird schedule. So it, in theory, they like it at first, and then sometimes it changes. But um, you, you have to, as you get older, you just have to prioritize. Like where I'm at in my career right now is is different than where I was four years ago. Like my priorities are different. I wouldn't take a job where I worked every weekend year round. Like 
I'm crazy during the season, but at least I have an off season now. So yeah, that was kind of a long answer, but there really is no balance at first. You have to kind of earn being able to prioritize things. Of course. So with not really having complete structure, right? Like you're not in a yeah. nine to five. How do you Mm-mm. find balance? Like, how do you work on that? Because it doesn't, truthfully speaking, I think we all would love to have like the perfect amount of balance in our life. But the reality is, it's like balance is hard and balance takes work. And I think because yeah. life nowadays is so busy and on the go and rush, 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 and things are changing and you're trying to juggle so many different things. And like you said, you know, your relationship with your friends and your family, and I'm somebody that lives far from yep. my friends and my family too. So it's yep. like, how do I bring all aspects of my life together and find that, that equal balance of um, like what works for me, if that makes sense? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said what works for you, you know, you, especially as a mom, which is a, a, a territory that I am not in, like, the way that you parent or the way that you like that may be different than from what somebody else does. Right. Um, for me, I had a a revelation a couple months ago that like, I needed a non-work related hobby. Like I needed a hobby that was not productive because I would tell you, well, I enjoy reading. I love reading. And I'm like, I haven't read a book in six months. And like, you know, I love working out, but like working out is productive. And, and so it was like, what am I doing that I enjoy that is purely for, as you know, Brene Brown would say, like for play, like this is not associated with productivity, with getting skinnier, with being better. This is something I'm doing because I enjoy it. And so I'm like, I love hiking. I haven't hiked in forever. So I booked a trip to Arizona and I'm going to go hiking. And I went, you know, to a bookstore and bought books and I like, you know, booked a Pilates class to try Pilates. And I, I I don't know if there ever is complete balance. Like um, one of my favorite quotes from Oprah, of course, because who doesn't love the icon that is Oprah (laughs) is um, you can have it all, but you can't have it all at one time. You just can't. So Mm -hmm. um, I think you have to know where you're at. And for me, the balance looks like being where my feet are because I used to be really bad about that so when I'm on the girls trip that I'm going on this weekend I'm not going to be checking my phone a lot I'm not going to be on social media a lot now obviously if news were to break with the Astros or Rockets like what I retweeted or yeah sure but like I'm going to be on the girls trip like Mm -hmm. I'm not you know and then when I'm at work I'm not gonna you know fret or ruminate over the fact that like oh I should be out to dinner with friends like right now you know I'm at work so for me everybody's brain works differently for me the answer to that balance has been making hobbies that are not work related and following through on them like letting myself read a book by the pool and then um whatever I'm doing just being fully there and not scrolling and not trying to be elsewhere in my brain if that makes sense a hundred percent it's like the present here and now focus on that because yes. and I was the same way I think very similar to how you were like it was always sort of like what's next like what do I have to do next or like what's next uh-huh. agenda? and you sort of miss out on those moments or it's when say you're at work and you're trying to get work done, but you're thinking like, oh, I have to leave at a certain time to meet my girlfriends for dinner. And then something gets screwed up at work because you're not a hundred percent there. Yep. 
you're right? not there and, yeah and then it doesn't even make sense because then you're at dinner with your friends thinking about the mistake you made at work because work. it just uh-huh. becomes full circle so it's like be present be here and mm-hmm. now what's coming next is going to happen you know it's there but it's I was always the same way it's like rushing to what's next right it's like I'm working out in the morning I'm 100% a, work, a morning workout person I have to work out in the morning otherwise 99.9% chance it doesn't get done any time of the day any other time of the day Yep. Like I used to be the type of person where, okay, I have to leave the gym at this time because I have to clock in at work. And now I'm in a job where it's like, obviously there's structure. I need to work, but they're lenient, right? Like they're a very family balanced oriented. Oh, I love that for you. And company. So it's like, okay, if you're not on at nine and you're on at nine 20, you know, as long you're going to make up the hours somewhere else. So now I'm less stressed to like rush myself through my workout in the morning. Like I take my time. I let myself get my, my solid workout in because I know I'm going to have a more productive day after that. So you're absolutely right. Like there's, there's no sense in trying to like, uh, like think of what else do I have to do here? What am I doing this weekend? Or, Oh my gosh. And it's so good. I'm glad you said it. Like go away for the weekend, completely disconnect. Obviously if something pops up, that's work related. Yeah. You yeah. like it. Great. But the less stress and pressure that you put on yourself in life and in that whole routine and, and balance of what you're looking for, I think the more successful and the better you're going to feel long-term. And our generation, Ugh. our generation is, I mean, we're not quite as affected as the people like 10 years younger than us, but you and I, you know, Twitter and Instagram became popular when we were in high school, right? Right. Ish. Um, you know, we, we go to college and then all of a sudden it's, you know, there's, there, there's more pressure to be on social media and including Facebook and all that. And then we graduate and then now there's TikTok and it, and it, there's just, there's going to be more and more like it's a machine. It's Mm -hmm. not going to stop. It's helped my career. I'm not, I'm not, I don't hate social media, but it like our generation is like, our brains are almost wired in a way to, to never stop scrolling and never stop thinking about what else is going on. So I'm glad you brought that up because it's, I think it's really important. No, for sure. And if I can give you one piece of advice, I don't know if you do this. Yes, please. Um, when you go away this weekend, something that I actually didn't do this until I started seeing a guy recently, it's been like, say four months now. Love. And he, he is super, um, structured with like, like his time management is so on point. He's so balanced, his schedule, like every he's so he doesn't again, he doesn't obsess over it, but he's just he has he's just fantastic when it comes to, when it comes to time management. So sure. a few things that I feel like he hasn't even really taught me, I've just like noticed mm-hmm. through his habits, is like what I've started to do is when I finish my day, let's say around like the time that you're eating dinner and you're gonna start to like shower and finish your day, I put my phone on do not disturb. And yeah. that doesn't mean that I'm not here and there picking it up and maybe seeing like, did my mom text me? Like, is there an emergency? Like, do I need to take care of something? No, but I'm not getting notified. Like somebody like this on Instagram or, you know, my friend texted me this meme or this TikTok video or stuff like I'm not getting distracted by that. So it's just small acts of like being intentional with like things that you can do to sort of like keep your mind at peace and not feel like you're constantly scrolling or you're having to compare yourself to other people's lives on social media. Like it's, and again, we're similar, right? Like we work in an industry where it's very fast paced 
and things mm -hmm. are changing and we sort of have to be on the ball. So if I can sort of like remove that aspect of like my personal life, all the better. I feel so much That's better. That's great. That's great. I'm going to use that this weekend. Do not disturb. I might toy with deleting the apps from my phone. We'll see. But it's, Ooh. yeah, it is like when we, when you work in media, like it's like, if you work in media, I don't care if it's on camera, off camera sports, if you work in media, like you just understand it is really difficult to put it away. It is like that whole disconnect. It's, it's hard. I get it. And it'll be interesting to sort of see, like you said, that generation 10 years younger than us, it's just gonna, I almost fear the years my daughter is a teenager. <laughs> like, I'm absolutely. Like, oh, this is gonna be absolutely. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. anyways, um, let's go back to you, like where you are now in your career, right? Yeah, so you're on the sidelines, yeah. you're on TV, you're front and center. Yeah. Something that I feel like a lot of people do not know about that you have all the experience in. I know a little bit just from what what we studied in university. But the prep that goes into like pre like the pregame stuff, right? So yeah, a lot of people see you on the sidelines and they're like, oh, her job's easy. She just has to like ask some guys some questions and, you know, talk to the coach about, you know, what he has to look for next quarter. And like, it's easy, right? What yeah. is, what does the preparation look like behind being a sideline reporter? Yeah, the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but you asked a great question, which is preparation. It's really throughout the week. Um you know, when I'm at practice, when I'm, um, you know, even as simple as having a conversation with a player's wife or a player's parent, and they say something like, um, you know, so-and-so has really been working on this and all that. And then I think, oh, that's interesting. And I go ask the player about it. And then that becomes a sideline report. Mm -hmm. um, your preparation is really throughout the week and, and having conversations with assistant coaches and um, observing in practice. And then I, I'm not a, I'm not a naturally organized person. So mm -hmm. I've had to be really organized. And so I keep, uh, Google docs, um, for each player and each coach. And, um, that helps me keep track of storylines throughout the year. So, um, you know, for example, at the beginning of the year, a couple of the Rockets players told me, how much they looked up to LeBron James and how much they were looking forward to playing against LeBron James. And so when that game came around against the Lakers, I looked back at my notes and I was like, Oh my God, these two players said that this was like the highlight of, you know, one of the highlights of their season. Mm -hmm. So staying organized is a really big part of preparation for me because 82 games, you know, sprinkled in with countless practices and all that. Like if you're not organized, you're going to lose, some of those really good stories. Um, and then it's just trust. It's having trust with the general manager and the people behind the scenes and the coaches to where, you know, if there's a storyline that I'm thinking of doing, which this has happened, and I go to somebody and I say, hey, I'd love to talk about this on camera. On, I think it'd be a great report. And they say, please don't do that. I'm trying to keep, you know, that private for whatever reason, great. I won't do it. So trust is like when you're, when you're affiliated with a team, now it's different if you're an investigative reporter, like you're supposed to get, but when you're the reporter for a team, it, the trust factor is like huge. So yeah, the preparation is really throughout the week. And then game day, 
injury updates, going to the press conferences of each visiting coach and home coach. And um, yeah, talking to the guys in the locker room before, if you have any last minute questions, it's, it's definitely more hands-on than if you're like the play-by-play or color announcer. You're not talking to the guys as much. You're not talking to the coaches as much. It's more about the stats, the X's and O's, what plays do you think they're going to run? For me, it's really assimilating and integrating into that team environment and talking to people throughout the week. That's great. And it sort of builds like, um, it's almost like you, you all sort of become part of the same family. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're working (laughs) together. There's there's so many pieces of sports and there's so many people involved in a team and an organization that like make everything happen. And I think, Mm -hmm. again, it goes back to the whole, your role specifically, people don't see how much time and effort goes into, right? Like, it's almost like they just think like, oh, the guys show up a little bit before the game and they stretch and they practice yeah. in the locker room. Like, there's so much more to sports and different aspects of sports and the time and commitment and everything that goes into it is is a lot more than people see. And we should give people like you more credit for stuff like that. Yeah. It is New, Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And you know that as, an, as somebody that, played sports it's nutrition it's training it's injury prevention it's I mean balancing your life with this sport and look they get paid very well obviously it's a great job if you can get it but it is a lot of work it is a lot of work and I always you know I treat the athletes and coaches I cover as human beings first like I you know, not, it's not for clickbait with me. It's not for going viral. It's not for, you know, being famous. Like I I try to make sure that I treat them as humans because I think we've lost that in media. You're right. I think we, we sort of lose that. I hate to say it. I I hate to be a negative person, but I feel like there's a lot, there's a lot of life right now that you see. That's why I don't watch the news because for me, like the news is just sad. It's always sad. And I feel like we've just lost humanity is just totally gone down the drain. And I feel like nobody truly cares about anybody anymore. It's always like, yep. can I get yep. it? Or it's so many people just thinking about themselves first. And there are great people in this world. And I'd like to of think that a majority of people are the good people. But again, I think it goes back to talking about social media. I think maybe it's been highlighted more now that social media is such a, a viral platform that we see it more than maybe we would have seen it say 15, 20. Oh, a hundred percent. Like what, like we wouldn't know about a lot of the bad things we're seeing, which is why it's important as you and I discussed to put it away. And I, you know, it's hard cause I want to stay informed. Mm-hmm. And so I try to, I try to know enough to stay informed, but to your point, like I, I, Look, I worked in news. I believe in journalism and all of that. Yep. But it is hard for me to watch a newscast. It is. It's just, it is. It's difficult. It's just always sad. And so that's why it's I like, know. where do I go that I can find the stuff that's important to know? But like, yes, sort of remove all the negative stuff and the sad stories. Like, it's just. It's or too- just pop in a positive one every now and then. Pop in a positive one. Give me, <laughs> you know, you have to talk about this shooting and this disaster absolutely but like show me who's working in the community and who's volunteering and um some local journalism does does try to do that Mm -hmm. but I'd like to see more of it and and like you said just the humanity aspect of it is is a difficult thing to deal with I think yeah for sure uh okay so the reason why I sort of 
Girl Fix Your Hair sort of came from a place of, you'll probably relate to this, I know you will, is uh, I reached sort of a moment in my life where I felt certain feelings of struggle and failure and not like living up to other people's potential or, or even my potential in some areas. Yeah. So that's where girl fix your hair sort of came from. It was like, a, okay, pick yourself up, look at yourself in the mirror. Like life's fine. You're going to be okay. Figure mm -hmm. it out sort of thing. Um, quit making excuses, this and that. So, but it's also a place where I want people to feel like it's okay to talk about the struggles that we have in life. It's okay to mm -hmm. acknowledge and we sh more people should acknowledge the fact that, okay, I tried this and I failed at it, but here's what I learned from it. Or this mm -hmm. was a moment in my life where I felt super low and down, like rock bottom level. And this is how I picked myself up. Uh, so question for you being, whether it be in your career, in sports, reporting, mm -hmm. wherever, or maybe in your personal life, family or friend mm -hmm. related, whatever that looks like, what was the moment that sticks out to you where you really felt like I'm struggling or mm -hmm. this really sucks? Like, I feel like my life is crumbling in front of my eyes. What did that look like for you? And how did you sort of overcome that? Or, or where did you pick up the pieces? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you in my, um, in my work life, when I first moved to Cincinnati, right after college, I had always done sports. I mean, I sports was my life and to do to be a traffic anchor news reporter slash sports reporter in a new city where I didn't know anybody. Um, sounds dumb, but like I'm a night owl and I was getting up at 2am. I mean, it, it, that was really hard. And I feel like we don't talk about the post-college hangover enough mm -hmm. where you've been doing the same thing for four or five years. You've lived in the same buildings as your friends. You've had the same routine and yeah, sometimes it's stressful, but it's fun. And then you just go and you're in the real world and good luck. Um, that was a real, that was really hard for me because I wasn't getting any sleep and I, most of my friends stayed in Indy. So I was constantly seeing videos, Snapchats, whatever of them out together, going to dinner. And even though I was chasing this dream, I wasn't having a lot of fun and I was grateful for my job, but I felt like I was missing out. Mm -hmm. And, um, that, that was a difficult transition. The other difficult time in my career was when I decided to leave local news, which was, um, you know, at this point about a year and a half ago, like I talked about earlier, wasn't growing. I was never going to get off of weekends and I didn't know what was next. And I knew potentially that that radio gig was going to work out, but I didn't know for sure at this point. And it just was a total like, man, like what am I doing? Like I felt in my gut that it was going to work out. And less than a year later, I had my dream job. So it did spoiler alert, but that was scary. And, um, you know, the time in my personal, those are the two work examples. The time in my personal life was a little over a year ago, my, my dad passed away and then, um, which was awful, obviously. And, um, my dog died like six weeks later. It was like the worst time in my life. And, you know, my dad was my best friend. He was everything to me. And I, I really, for the first time in my life, Nicole, I had to like, let other people kind of take care of me. I had to let 
I, I had to pause, which yeah. I had, when I say I had never, I mean, I literally, since I was 16 years old, have had multiple jobs. Like I have never paused and I had to pause. And if we're being super real about it, I had to get therapy, which was very helpful. Um, but I had to move through that and I'm still moving through it. You know, you don't recover. You never, I don't think you ever recover from losing a parent and especially at a young age, a parent you're so close to. Um, so within like a year's time, I left a job, lost my dad, lost my dog. And it was just like, whoa, can we chill for a heavy. second? Yeah. It was very heavy. And, you know, you always hear so cliche or you see on social media, like as you get older, your circle gets smaller and all that. It does. And it does mm -hmm. because in, in part, because because you go through all of these things, you know, for some people, it might be a divorce. For some people, it might be losing a parent. It might be moving across the country. I mean, yeah, like it's, this is real life. Like this is yeah. real life stuff that you go through in your twenties and you really find out who is there for you and who is going to help you pick up the pieces and who is, you know, not a bad person, but just not in that, in that close group for you. So you know, I've had two instances where I felt really low career wise. And then I've had that one, you know, that will always be difficult for me, which was the loss of my dad. And the fact that so many other things happened around that time was really tricky. Yeah. And, um, you know, to your point, I did get to a point um, where I don't even know when it would have been. It, it probably helped in a way that I got my dream job after all that happened, you know, after I took a huge career risk, after I experienced this loss, I did get to a point where I was like, life has to go on and it is not going to be easy and it is going to continue to be painful. But, you know, I still have a lot of life to live mm -hmm. and, um, you have to, you have to help yourself, you know, whether that's getting therapy, whether that's moving, whether that's taking a new approach to life. So, yeah, I'd say those are the three times in my life. Obviously, the the the, la, the la, last one, the worst one. But those are three times where I've really, to your point, just been like, "All right, I got to get it together because this is this is difficult." Mm -hmm. I think you realize that too as you get older. I say, like as you become an adult. Not that we haven't been adults, since sure, been but like right as you sort right. of sort of find your way in your career. I think your 20s is 100% about growth. Like as I, I'll be 29 this summer. And as I kind of look back on 20s, I'm like, what a blur, first of all, between <laughs> university, moving around, starting jobs, having a kid, this and that, going through divorce. Like my life was just, the 20s are like a tornado, it feels like. Yeah. I sort of sit here and I'm like, if I had not gone through these experiences and just sort of still been coasting, like my point being you're these things happen for a reason and sometimes in the moment it sucks and it doesn't make sense and again a situation like your dad it's almost like you're like why why me yeah and and that's, and that you're never gonna get over it yeah I mean that's one that's what death is like a different category because it's like you never bounce that's just that's for sure. permanent right for sure but like with the jobs level. and all that. Yeah. On a career level, you're a hundred percent right. Those things happen for a reason, uh -huh. but you don't see it at the time. 
No, you don't see exactly. it at the time. <laughs> and you only have, exactly. And you only have you to count on, I think. I think sometimes you're, before you're mature enough, you sort of think like, okay, like, you know, someone will let this slip or like this will pass or whatever. It's like, no, if, if something happens and you're without a job, like you lose a job and you're looking for another one, you only have yourself to count on. Like you, you have to build this hard shell around yourself and know that like, if, if you want to get, if you're here and you want to get here and you want to make stuff happen for yourself in life, it's you versus you. Like you have to get yourself there. Nobody else is going to pick you up no. and drag you along for that. So you really have to build that strong shell for yourself to like, you're going to be heard no over and over again, right? Like somebody's going to tell mm-hmm. you no. And, you know, five, six years ago, I would have been like, that no sucks. And now I'm just like, okay, whatever. It's a no, like there's something else or whatever. Like you have to constantly grow and evolve and like trust that where you are in life is where you're meant to be. And that no, or that not right now, or whatever didn't work for you, it's because it was supposed to be like that. But the next thing that's coming is going to be even greater sort of thing. So yeah, you build the resiliency, you build that resiliency, you know, through all those experiences, something that would have made us wig out when we were at the University of Indianapolis is now like, yeah, okay. <laughs> never. Right. Okay, yeah. so, so from that, again, you kind of talk about, we talk about struggle. We talk about sort of moments in life where you're like, Ooh, okay. It didn't go as planned. Uh, for you, what's been your proudest moment? Like when you look in the mirror, mm. you're just like, wow, Vanessa, you completely nailed that. Like, I'm so proud of you. I think, I think this past, you know what, I think, um, it would be easy to say my dream job right now. And I am proud of that. Don't get me wrong, but I'm really proud of the fact that I left local news when I didn't have another job lined up because everybody told me, I mean, I, like I said, my radio thing was probably going to happen, but I, I mean, I had people telling me, good luck kid. Like you're leaving a local news job in a top 10 market yeah, you're being treated poorly, but you know, it's bad everywhere. You know, the things that people say, and I just felt in my gut that it was going to work out. And some people that caution you care about you, like my parents, like my parents were like worried more financially or right. But there are some people that they were like, "Mm, good luck getting another job or all that. And I'm really really proud of the fact that I said this job, I appreciate that I had it. It's not serving me anymore. And, and something else is going to happen. That's going to be even better because that I did not get a positive reaction from a lot of people and it worked out. And had I not done that, I would have missed out on a fantastic radio job. I would have missed out on getting to cover the Super Bowl and MLB all-star for that radio station. And I would uh, have never met my current agent because I, I met my current agent at a Super Bowl party. I, I mean, I, I would have never gotten my dream job. I did, you know, I'm really proud of the fact that I took that risk. Um, I think I'm proud of the fact that I, I think I'm proud of the way that I treat people because a lot of people in my industry are not, um, they don't, they're just not known for treating people well. And I think I'm proud of the fact that I've stayed grounded in that, in that sense for sure. Yeah. I love that. Last thing. If you had to like look back from where you started Mm -hmm. 
and where you are now, and you were to walk into a classroom of say 500 people that wanted to do the same thing that you're doing, yeah, would be like one piece of advice. You know, obviously you could talk for hours, I'm sure. (laughs) So well-spoken and you're so knowledgeable, but if you just had to leave them with like a quick elevator pitch of, you know, in order to be where you want to be in life and succeed, uh, this is what I want to convey to you. What would it be? Yeah, I was really big on and continue to be big on when you're talking to young people. Now, this isn't really for people that are advanced in their career, but for like young people, you know, nothing is above you and nothing is below you. And what I mean by that is the the grunt work is not always fun. You're not going to like it. Like too bad. You're not going to love working weekends. You're not going to like, you know, you may have to move to a small market. That is what it is. Um, But the other part of that, nothing is above you. You might get an opportunity. Like my first job was in Cincinnati. That's a top 40 market. I was not ready for that. But opportunity doesn't come very often. Mm -hmm. So my my best advice, I think, is always just to stay level-headed. Like if you start really, really small or, or start, you know, with a job that you don't love, it's okay. Like you'll be there for a year, maybe two, and you'll move on. If you get a job that you're like, I am not ready for that. I don't know why they're hiring me. Go with it. Fake it till you make it. Learn from people. And I, I, I think the reason I have that approach is because like you remember when I was in school, I had these amazing, like pretty high profile jobs, like for being young, like being the Pacers host and hosting Indians games and doing stuff with Bob and Tom, which is a really popular radio station. But I also got just as much out of doing the grunt work, like being a producer for UND TV and, um, you know, whole, doing the camera work. Like I got just as much out of that as the glamorous stuff. So when you're starting out, just nothing's too good. Nothing's too bad. Take every opportunity, just do it. And then in a couple of years, you'll figure out what you like, what you don't like, and you can be picky from there. Exactly. I love that. It's so great. Thank you for coming. It, really it was so nice to see you. Here. Thank you for having me. It was so nice to see you too. And I can't wait to see where this podcast goes. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, girlfriend. I appreciate it as well. I'm proud of you. And uh, take care of yourself. Yeah, you too. I'll, I'll see you soon. soon.